Welcome to the Emmaus Fellowship Teaching Podcast. We trust you find this encouraging. Emmaus Fellowship is located at 205 North Pine Street in Woodland Park, Colorado. Our phone number is 719-687-6061. We trust you find this encouraging as you pour over God's Word with us. Gave me a voice and a song Taught me how to sing This morning is interesting for me. I actually like being up here. I like doing this. Um, but um, there are times when God gives you, gives me something beautiful and poetic, and I can put a lot of words to it, and I can really lay it out in story, and and it's easy. And there are times where he fractures this reality that I've built around myself. And, and that's good. It's good. That means I'm growing. But it's also pretty raw. And that is where I'm at this morning. <clears throat> so what you're getting is the raw and uncut. This is what God is doing in Nick Roman's life. And I'm going to do my best to lay this out for you. Okay, but I want you to keep a couple of things in mind in that. First and foremost, and this is something that God reminded me of, and it's not a caveat, it's a reminder to you. It is your task individually to test the things that you hear against the Spirit of God. Let's just, um, it is so easy to get caught up in the emotion of a moment, say, yes, that feels good, that's got to be true. Those two things don't work that way. Truth isn't about it feeling good. That's one challenge to you. Remember, your faith, your relationship with Jesus, this is yours. And you need to test everything that you hear against the Spirit of God and the Word of God. I am not special because I stand up here, or sit in this case. That doesn't mean that what I say is truth. There's no weird decompression door that puts you in the truth chamber that means that anything that comes out here is true. I can still mess it up. And I do the very best that I can to relay to you the truth of God as it is being relayed to me. That doesn't mean I always get it right. doesn't mean that anybody that stands in a place like this always gets it right. You have to chase it out. Okay? All right. Second, um... I am hoping to send you home today not so much with a, a revelation but a challenge to your heart based on the revelation that I've received. I don't know if that makes any sense. We'll see when we get through it. We'll start with the story. I don't like listening to podcasts. I don't like, I like listening to audiobooks. I don't like podcasts because I always feel like I'm the third person of a con- in a conversation and I'm not involved. You have these two people over here talking, and I'm listening to this conversation happening, okay? If you all don't know what a podcast is, it's just, it's listening to a radio talk show, effectively, right? It was difficult for me, but my wife said, hey, you've got to listen to this. This thing is super good. And she had gotten the information from this from Brian Ray, actually. So thank you, Brian Ray, via my wife. 
And I bring this up specifically because I am going to reference a couple of things that he talk, talks about in that. And I don't want to plagiarize this guy's hard work. His name is Marty Solomon. It's the BEMA podcast, B-E-M-A. You can find it on any podcast device, or you can also find it at bema.org. You can actually just download them all. And he's a lot smarter than me. <laughs> One of these guys where you're listening to it and you're thinking, oh man, I probably should do some more study. Anyway, I'm listening to this podcast and he begins by talking about how the Bible wasn't um, written for a Western mindset. It wasn't written for us. That's Yes, it was in the sense that God knew that we would be reading it, not in the sense that it was written by Hebrew for Hebrews, right? This is, <laughs> there's a difference in how they were seeing the world. And so if we're really going to get into the nuts and bolts of all of this, then you have to step back a little bit and change your perspective. And so already you can think, listen to that and think, oh my gosh, this guy is going to really just tear apart everything that I have memorized and known. Um, as he's digging through all of this, um, and he starts peeling away layers, I'm thinking about growing up in the church and my mom having me memorize verses and the beauty of that and and the little things, the little bits of understanding that come out of that time and how those things grow and how beautiful that is and how God redeems something that even if I'm, even if I'm misunderstanding the original, he is still good in delivering the truth to me. And so he ends up going through the first books of the Bible, obviously beginning with Genesis, and there is a moment um, where he mentions the end of creation. He reads through all of this, and God rested. And, um, and this thought about, I think I've been doing Sabbath wrong. <laughs> oh, geez. I wonder what that means. Do I actually know what that means? What is Sabbath? What does Sabbath mean to you? What does it mean to me? And it was a full train derailment because I felt like God was standing there with me. I'm sitting at my computer desk at work. I got two computer screens up, and I'm cranking away, and I'm listening to this. And people are sitting behind me, and I'm holding back sobs because I don't really have a good definition. And I feel God say, yeah, here we go. <laughs> here we go. This is going to be awesome. So the question, what does Sabbath mean to me? What does Sabbath mean? Is it something that I practice? Is it an idea, something I aspire to? The scriptures that snap to mind, Ten Commandments, clearly, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Jesus laying out the, um, the Pharisees, he said Sabbath was made for the man, not man for the Sabbath. You guys have been doing this wrong. But if we're really going to, dig into there, I think we got to step back a little bit and, and dig into some of the understanding that, that people would have had at the time. I'm going to read for you guys a little bit. Hopefully I don't have too much sweet in my tea, so I'm not 
too much. And I'm reading Genesis 1. You guys can feel free to read along or just close your eyes and listen. Most of you probably know this by heart at this point. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Isn't it fun that it starts with, in the beginning, God? Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark the sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give earth light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, that birds fly above the earth, across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing in which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And he said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit in it. Sorry, that every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds in the sky, and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. 
and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Now we step just a little bit into Genesis 2 here, just the first three verses. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Uh, A couple things. If you are reading Genesis 1 and you are hoping to find a scientific account of the creation of the world, you're looking in the wrong place. That's not what that is. This is poetry and it's beautiful, but there are some things that are weirdly out of order, right? We have days happening before we actually have sun and moon happening, and we have flight happening before we have, see what I mean? There's a little bit of a bit of a hiccup here, and so if you start digging through Genesis, what we are hearing is, is poetry that would have been written for these people to, um, for, the, for the young to, eat, to consume, as it were. In an Eastern mindset, you, they aren't just handed a truth. They are given, they're given like poems and tales, and there's, there's a truth in it that has to be found, Right? And so I'm not going to go crazy deep into all of that, in large part because, because God hasn't <laughs> revealed all that to me. I'm just telling you what I see. But what I see in Genesis 1 is this interesting refrain. We have, it is good, over and over again, and then he rests from his work. There's this cycle that's happening. Work is being done. He sees that it's good, and it repeats a total of six times, and then he rests. And this word rest is where we get, that's where we get the word Sabbath from. That is the rest. And, and the Israelites, let's, all right, here's where we start to get to the raw point of it. Take into consideration that Genesis being written either, we believe it was just before or just after the Exodus. And you have this massive group of people that have lived in slavery for 400 years. There is, they've known nothing but work. Imagine you are a child and you see your dad and all, his, all, you, all he does is he builds bricks. And this is what keeps us safe. This is what gets us through the day. And you grow and you do the same thing. And your children do the same thing. And your grandchildren do the same thing on and on. It is ground into them that their value is based purely in how many bricks you can make in a day. Because whether or not, like, even if you exist in this time and you somehow have a revelation that my value system shouldn't be this, you still have to live that way because if you don't produce enough bricks, they come and they kill you and they take your family. I mean, this is, this is the reality that they're living in. This is not something that we can understand. But we need to reach back and look at this because as these people exit Egypt and they get out in the desert and they've been given freedom, um, which is something that no living generation has ever experienced, what is the first thing that Jesus teaches them? I worked and I worked and I saw that it was good. I paused after I worked each time and I saw that it was good. And then I rested. And there's this pattern that's built. And it was not just in the story of Genesis, but 
Moses comes down and says, all right, we have these Ten Commandments. Number four is remember to rest. Remember the rest that, Jesus, that God called holy and keep it that way. I think about this and I think, how does one, how do you define that? Like now you're, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing this picture here, but I still don't know, like, what is it that he is trying to say the Sabbath is specifically to me? Not to us as a whole, but to me. And my heart goes back to Sabbath was made for the man, not man for the Sabbath. And then it jumps back um, again. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. And um, I realize that the Sabbath is a gift. The Sabbath is a gift that we get to choose to take or not. It is not a set of rules. I think the Israelites ended up with a set of rules because they were too stubborn to do it another way. Yeah, I'm pretty similar to that. But I have the benefit of the Holy Spirit. And, um, and I look back and, um, and I realize that I have not, pra- I have not, I have not received this gift. I've taken, I take breaks, I hang out, I do whatever. That's, I dare say I'm pretty decent at that. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing as remembering the Sabbath to keep it holy. That's the verbiage. It is the remembering of the Sabbath that keeps it holy in your life. We don't do communion just because I want a snack. This is about remembering. This is, it is purposeful and it is intentional. And if I am to remember the Sabbath, then it's not just taking a break. So what is it then? I think um, that is the challenge that I want to send you home with. What is the Sabbath to you? What is God asking the Sabbath to be for you? We could lay out a whole bunch of rules, but you need to take one day a week, and it needs to be X number of hours, and you are going to do this set number of things, and there is zero life in that. right? Outside of you sitting down with God and Him saying, I want your Sabbath to be this. And if He lays you out a set of rules that you can check off, my wife loves checklists. Loves them. Right? I could absolutely see God saying, hey, let's build this checklist that we're going to do just for fun. Just being you. I'm, I'm 100% serious. I know that's ridiculous, but the reality is your relationship with God is you. With God. That would make me absolutely insane. You hand me a checklist and listen, we're going to have a bad time. <laughs> so what is it to you? What is it that God is asking you to do? What does rest look like for you? And when does that happen? Because it needs to be often. There's a reason that it was work six, take one. There, that was intentional, right? I dare say that like, if you're not taking one day a week, then you probably need to go to God with that. I've had jobs where I worked 14 days in a row and then had 14 off, right? Those, these things are... These things take place in the real world, and I understand that. Another thing that was said in this podcast that is ringing in my ears 
This guy, Marty Solomon, was talking about teaching his kids this. And he said, on Sabbath, we rest, we play, we don't work, Jesus loves us. And it's like these four things. It doesn't have to be so ridiculous that that in the New Testament, when Jesus is standing there saying, Which, what one of you would not rescue your donkey if he was stuck in a ditch? And yet you're mad at me because I'm healing this person on the Sabbath, right? This, we're not, yeah, it's not legalistic. This isn't legalism. I'm not asking you to hold to some set of rules. What I'm telling you is that Jesus wants to offer you a gift, and it's called the Sabbath. And what that looks like for you is probably going to be different than what it looks like for me. But we both need to, and I mean need to, receive it. Because if you look through the Old Testament, every time, every single time, the Israelites decided they didn't need the Sabbath, it went sideways. He wants us to rest. Work is good. He saw that it was good. We are supposed to work. And we are also supposed to knock it off and go play with him. I would be very interested. If you guys have thoughts on this, hit me up with them. And because I think this is worth some discussion. Because I think this is worth digging into and finding out what that actually means for each one of us individually. Um, and, and I would love to know that you all are taking it seriously and actually taking this to God and saying... First, Holy Spirit, what is the truth of that was said today? Let me hold on to that. Let that settle in to who I am in my being. Second, what is it you're saying to me through all this? And third, what is my response? So it's super short today, and I'm not sorry. I, I really love you guys, and I'm, um, I'm really thankful that I get to be here and be a part of this. And, um, and I hope, I really hope, that, um, that God reaches into you and says, come play with me. All right? Jesus, would you seal truth to our hearts and let everything else fall away. When we see you in each other and call that out, would we challenge each other? And in the midst of all of the work, which is good, would we be willing to hear you say, Come and rest. Not because you're tired. Not because you're out of ideas. Um, because rest is good. And you have called it holy. And I want to be there with you. Bless these people. And keep them safe on their way home. Amen. It's our joy to offer these podcasts. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, any prayer requests, feel free to drop us a line at EmmausFellowship at iCloud.com. If you're curious about ways you can be more deeply involved in this community, visit our website at EmmausFellowship.org and be sure to like our Facebook page.